Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. But remember to use the promo code believe that is B L E A V and they'll give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is bet online where the game starts. Campbell in the end zone. They're not keeping this buck off this field tonight. 100 yards. Can you believe it? I still can't believe it. Now presenting Believe in Everything Auburn with your hosts, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. War Eagle, everyone. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I am Taylor Davis. He is Jason Campbell, truly needs no introduction, but what's up, everybody? We are happy to be back here on the podcast. Your girl is is back from Omaha, recovering. What a crazy College World Series we had this year. You know Jay and I are going to talk all about it, and we'll update you on some things happening down on the plains. Definitely a, a bit of a slow time of year, Jay, as to be expected. Not slow for the coaching staff, who are recruiting like maniacs right now, but mm-hmm. for the football fandom, not a ton going on, but we know the importance of every single day as season gets closer and closer it's crazy to even think about but hope everyone is enjoying their summer i know jay is about to be enjoying his because he is headed to charleston and i am very jealous because i love charleston there's no reason to be jealous i am Uh, you have been all over the place all summer true and yeah i've been making smoothies all summer and i've gotten really good at it you okay. know, I, I make all different kinds of smoothies, um, put my protein in there and everything. So, yeah. okay. you know, We're I'm on, on this, train. Yeah, I'm on this, I'm on this whole new chef Campbell type stuff right now. Chef um, also I got chased by a dog yesterday. Okay. Jason uh, loves to start our episodes with the most yeah. random thoughts ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just might well let the people know what's happening. You know, your neighbor's supposed to have the dog on a leash, right? When you let the dog out. So I'm riding my bike, you know, just trying to get a little workout in. And all of a sudden yeah. this dog just shoots out of this garage, like full speed, just coming at me. And what I'm was just it? A like, little, little chihuahua or something? No, nah, no, nah, with no chihuahua. No chihuahua. So I was just like, okay, is it going to stop? <laughs> And it just kept coming and it got faster. And I said, all right, so I hit it, got my bite and I started going as fast as I could go. And the thing just kept coming after me. Oh was, my God. I swerved over to the left a little bit away from it. Cause it got close to my back tire. And I swerved back the other way. And then finally it stopped. So I was just like, and I was just hugging out of breath. Like, Gee, oh, I'm like my God. so then I was just like, well, do I let my neighbor know? And then I was like, yeah. So then I let me know. I said, Hey, you know, I got, you know, your dog came after me yesterday, man. I was running for my money, man. I was like, uh, 
I said, I don't know. I'm not sure if it bites or not, but I sure wasn't trying to find out. <laughs> like, I apologize. It's going to be on a leash from now on and everything. I said, yeah, I'm sure it doesn't bite, but I said, but it, it chased me for three houses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what kind? Oh man, I don't even know the name of the dog. It was just a big dog coming was, after me. That's all I saw. I wasn't even trying to, I wasn't even trying to look in the dog eyes to see if it was you know. trying to be friends. I gotta get out of yeah, here. Yeah, I wasn't even trying to see if the dog had all his teeth or none of that. <laughs> you know, it could have been a teethless dog for all I know, you know, but I wasn't trying to find out any of it. I was just getting <laughs> out of dodge. <laughs> so I wasn't okay. worried about it, you know. Because wow. the other dog, it was two of them. So both of them started off and then the other one, it stopped at the end of the driveway. But this one just kept coming. I was just like, dude, like, what did I do to you? Like, bro, like. (laughs) Wow. I'm riding now with, with, you know, I guess I have to ride with some type of spray now. If a dog does attack me, (laughs) if I'm on a trail somewhere, I can spray in the eyes and make it, you know, turn around, go away. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Wow. Well, yeah, if you uh, if you wonder what post football life looks like for Jason Campbell, it's making smoothies and running away from angry dogs. So there's that. But we glad we're glad you survived, Jay. We're we're happy. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to be on this episode today, you know, trying to (laughs) ride a bike as fast as I can. And I had it in top gear. I shift that puppy two times. You know, I click, click, (laughs) got it in top gear (laughs) and my legs were just turning as fast as they can go you're probably so tired today wow i was just like geez i feel like i was on the peloton you know doing one of those hit rides oh my gosh wow that is hilarious well hopefully uh your bike rides are a little more peaceful moving forward but things are not as active at auburn right now like i said definitely a slow time but few news and notes coming out lately and one of the biggest being the schedule release for 2024 and I'm going to pull it up just to rub salt in the wound. Um, So obviously we have talked about how the SEC was going to handle the addition of Oklahoma and Texas in regards to scheduling. And we know that at least for 2024, they are doing away with divisions and they will be having an eight conference game schedule. So the official schedule was released with the matchups, and this is what our schedule will look like in 2024. We will play Cal, New Mexico, ULM. We will play Alabama, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri. Hmm. Very noticeable absences include Ole Miss, Mississippi Mm -hmm. State, and Mm -hmm. LSU. And if you know me, you know that Auburn LSU is my favorite game. Love the Iron Bowl, love the Deep South's oldest rivalry, but your girl loves the LSU-Auburn rivalry. Doing away with matchups like that are really hard to accept, and I think it just goes back to the need for them to continually reevaluate this. Adding two schools to a conference is no small feat. They're going to have to figure this out for all the other sports. All the other sports are going to deal with the same thing. We add Oklahoma. Cool. There's potential for new matchups. But I'm sorry. I don't care to close our season with Missouri. 
I, I don't yeah. care to play Vanderbilt and Kentucky, but lose the Miss both Mississippi schools and LSU, who have been staples in our schedule for history. I think we are now going to potentially compromise newness for history and tradition, which is what the SEC is built on. I was I was very disappointed when this came out. Yeah, especially not seeing the two Mississippi schools on there. You know, me being from Mississippi, I, I always look forward to the Auburn-Mississippi, Auburn-Mississippi State games, um, you know, just because I have friends that are still in the state and family that's still there. And uh, that's always a fun game uh, yeah. as far as as far as that goes. But then the LSU game is like, like like you were saying, like to me, it's one of the biggest robberies in college football. Uh, it's a fun robber because it's always an epic ending and you just <laughs> never know what you're going to get uh, in a ball game like mm -hmm. that. And, you know, the, it started back in 1991 and, and we've been playing each other ever since each year. And I like the home in a way and LSU. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a great experience. Both games, I when we play them at home, we'll go there. And to me, just having fun memories of playing against LSU. Right. You know, and just to think, that, like, man, we don't play them on a yearly basis. It's kind of tough, you know, and uh, and everything because, yeah, playing Vanderbilt to me just doesn't get me – doesn't get my motor going. You yeah. know, it just – Sure I like the city of Nashville, though. <laughs> you know, it's got good steakhouses. It's you know some good some good beef, you know, and stuff like that. Always but good. I'm just like, geez, man, like really though, like we gotta lose one of those schools for for Vanderbilt, and know. you know, Kentucky is a team that's on the rise um, and everything, but. I like playing Kentucky in basketball, you know, yeah. just, just be honest. Football is still hadn't got there yet until they can get to the SEC championship and actually compete for one, then it'll be more relevance there. Right. But, you know, Texas and Oklahoma coming to the conference, it's going to be a fun, it's going to be fun. You know, to yeah. be able to go to Austin, be able to go out to Oklahoma, uh, Texas and Texas A&M immediately becomes a robbery. Uh, Arkansas and Texas is already a robbery. So mm -hmm. you will get a chance to see a lot of these robberies that used to be in bowl games, now you get a chance to see them on the regular. But so you lose some, you win some, but to lose the LSU game and both Mississippi schools were, yeah, it was kind of a tough pill to swallow. Big time. And I guess, you know, it's it reiterates, and I, I do apologize for this statement, but it reiterates how weak the East is in the SEC. Like now we eliminate the divisions, which means we're adding some schools that we wouldn't ordinarily play because they weren't in the West. Missouri, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, like snooze fest, you know, like those matchups are not compelling. Those fan bases don't bring the same energy. Like the West was so heavy stacked that it made every matchup feel like the biggest one. And I, I mean, I would have been more excited if South Carolina was put on the schedule, like all three of those just feel like they don't carry much weight and, and to have those added and eliminate ones that have always brought so much intensity. I just think that we're cutting our nose off to spite our face a little bit. Like we are going to compromise some quality matchups to try and figure this out. And I think until they get it back to a nine game conference schedule, you are going to eliminate some of those. And I think for the grand picture of the SEC, adding Oklahoma and Texas is great. I don't know that it's great for Auburn. I, I think when you look at it right now, the potential of in either of those becoming some heated rivalry, that would take a lot of time because of 
uh, geography, obviously, and history between the two. Like you were saying, you know, Arkansas has got something like that with them and obviously Texas A&M. So there's going to be some of those that start off early. But I think for Auburn, it's going to take time because any of before any of those become our quote rival. And in the process, we've lost some that are. And so it just it really feels like you're losing a, a quality product that has been built for years. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, now, think about it. I was just like, man, we're talking about just football. Think about basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, think about how good Texas and Oklahoma have been over the last couple of years in, in basketball, the softball, baseball. You know, so there's going to be a lot of uh, big-time sporting events to go to. And now you add Oklahoma, you know, to a Georgia and Alabama that you play each and every year. Yeah. Uh, and you really can't lose any one of those games. Those going to be automatic each year. Right. Um. I always just thought the LSU game should have just been a third automatic. You know, I, I, I just so. really did. But that's the thing, though. If you Auburn coaching staff, though, I know as a former player, what it's like to lose a rivalry. But as an Auburn coaching staff, are you looking at it like, well, that kind of helps us? Does it help us? Because the fact that, you know, Georgia and Bama are typically going to be ranked in top five year in and year out, along with Saban and Coach Kirby Smart's there. And mm-hmm. now, you know, you're seeing what's happening down at LSU. Uh, with their recruiting classes, they're going to be preseason top five every year from here on oh, out yeah. as well. So you're already getting three top five teams, and then you're going to add an Oklahoma into the mix, which will be a top 15 team at least. Um, you know, so your schedule does look a lot harder with LSU on it. Yeah. But, you know, from a fan and a former player perspective, you miss the fun part of that. But as a coaching staff, you might be like, yeah, you know, that we're okay with that, you know, get yeah. them every other year. So we'll see how this all transition. I'm with you. I think it does go to nine games in 2025. It has to. Uh, at some point in the near future, it may even go to 10 after five years. You know, you may get two out-of-conference games and 10 in-conference games just yeah. because they may see how the, the value – it all comes to money. They may see how the value of not having an Auburn LSU, you know, not even having a Florida versus – uh you know, whatever big rivalry game outside of them that they play Auburn and Florida, you know, like when they see when we play each other, the money that it generates compared yeah. to when we not play each other, mm-hmm. they going to find a way to, to make sure that the best matchups get happens year in and year out. So, right. you know, this is just the beginning. We hadn't even put full icing on the cake yet. We just kind of got the batter mixing in the bowl a little bit. And then once we get that puppy going and we get in the oven and we put our icing on top of it, this thing will be, it'll be good. We'll be cooking. I know. It's just, I feel like a lot of people when the schedule came out wanted to say, you know, ooh, 2024 is looking good for us, a.k.a. the schedule looks a lot easier than when we were in the West. But I guess there are two kinds of fans. There are fans that care more about the final record, regardless of how you get it. And there are fans that are there to enjoy quality games, even if it may amount to a loss. And I guess I'm that fan. Like, I care more about these unbelievable matchups with, you know, a a lot of even matched guys and and intensity and crazy environments, even if we're going to leave Baton Rouge with a loss. Like, the way that we got there was way more enjoyable. That's the difference to me in college football and professional football. Like the NFL is about your record. It's about wins and losses because it is about money. And that's always been my fear that college football is going to get too much like that. And so with this, like if we're compromising these insane moments and these 
Saturdays in the fall that just put goosebumps on you because we want wins because wins amount to more money for these players and coaches. We're no different than the NFL. So I just, that's where my mind always goes. So I'm hoping that we find a middle ground and time's a ticking. So obviously 2024, they had to figure it out, but I don't think that this is the system that will be tried and true moving forward. But you mentioned LSU and I think that, they're certainly going to be one to watch. They're one to watch every year, right? And LSU's problem has never been recruiting, regardless of coach. Baton Rouge and that culture speaks for itself. The problem has been development and coaching. And once they get these highly touted five-star recruits, what's happening with them? So you bring in a guy like Brian Kelly, who certainly feels like he is equipped to do so. And I thought it was interesting, after LSU, spoiler alert, clinched the national championship last night winning in omaha over the florida gator florida gators in dominating fashion that was jay johnson's year two kim mulkey also won a national championship in baton rouge in year two what is brian kelly heading into year two there's something about year two in baton rouge if the right guy is at the helm and a lot of people feel that Brian Kelly is. So I think LSU is certainly one to keep an eye on this season. But let's let's talk baseball, Jay. How much did you watch of the College World Series? <laughs> Incredible field, all eight teams. We had insane games start to finish. All right. I tell you what, it's all about throwing rankings out the door. Truly. Uh, when it comes to like just getting into the the competition, it's kind of like March Madness in, in basketball. You just want to get into the the 64 and anything can happen. So it's the same thing. I think UConn was a five C in basketball that won it, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And you think about in this baseball field, you know, you make it to the college world series and everybody had Wait Forest pencil to win it. You know, they were one the one seed. And then they had Florida as the two seed. And but LSU was kind of the team that everyone knew had the best pitching. And if they could pitch and hit with crew and that and those guys, they knew that they could it would be a hard defeat to beat them two out of three right. games. Right. Um and that's what happened. You know, the first game was what we all thought it was gonna be. You know, it was a very close game. LSU ended up winning the eleventh inning. That uh, was the championship. Yeah, that was that, that was like a championship game. And then yeah. the next game is like, whoa, what happened? Like a blowout, you know, and then and then all of a sudden this game happens. And then in the third inning, it just unraveled for Florida. And all of a sudden you look up and they couldn't stop, you know, no. because LSU pitching was where it needed to be. They was and they didn't even throw the skeins. They didn't even throw him. He was walking to the dugout and everybody had their little poster and everything, you know, with that mustache, whatever you call that thing he got on his face. <laughs> <laughs> he's walking there and, uh, you know, he's thinking he's going to close this thing out. They never have to use him. So they was prepared to win it more than Florida was because yeah. they had it lined up that we got to get to our best guy. We got him prepared to go. Right. Uh, where Florida, they just didn't. I think they ran out of gas. And I think a lot of that too, Taylor, did you see the LSU fan support? Like Jason, did I? I mean, I experienced <laughs> it firsthand. Omaha yeah. was Baton Rouge. Like there was it, right. everywhere you looked, it was LSU fans. Yeah. And that's the thing when you got that kind of support and you feed it off of that, right? You know, I'm pretty sure Florida had to keep hearing all the crowd noise from LSU probably wondering like, guys, where are, where are our fans? We're in the SEC too. Like, did y'all not travel? 
Let me just yeah. tell you, as boots on the ground, because I was there, um, we had to do a tailgating piece one day. And so we go around to all these parking lots where a lot of people tailgate and whatever. And obviously I was covering the SEC. So we were looking for LSU, Tennessee, and Florida tailgates. When I tell you, we had to go back another day because we could not find enough Florida and Tennessee. Like, neither travel traveled very well, which was... So confusing to me. These are very storied programs, especially Tennessee. Like you wanted to be here so bad last year. Um, Meanwhile, LSU, like we had too many LSU, but Florida, we really struggled to find them. It was, it was very confusing. Yeah. And that's the reason why LSU won a championship. Cause you cannot tell me that the energy in that stadium didn't prepare those guys to the next level because if yeah. you'd have had half the stands Florida, half the fans LSU, you just took a thumping the day before. So in your head, and then Florida jumps up two to zero. Two, exactly. You know what I'm saying? But what happened was LSU crowd got their guys into it. They uh-huh. got that one hit and it just kept feeding and it kept feeding and it just kept feeding. And that's what fans do in that type of atmosphere. So right. you know, if I'm Florida, you know, I'm a little ticked off that we didn't get the fan support. You know, in a national championship game. Yes. It's not like we're in a regionals. We're in a national championship. Right, right. It was it was so wild the way that, like you were saying, game one of the series went into extras, another Tommy Tanks big performance yeah. to get LSU the win 3-2. So you really feel like this series is going to be neck and neck. Like if it does go three games, they're all probably going to look like this one. And then mm-hmm. game two. A record 24 runs. Florida just demolishes. LSU looks like they forgot how to do everything. You know what it was, though? They looked tired. And and honestly, like, that is a long series. Like, and that's what it looked like. LSU looked fatigued. They looked tired. They looked checked out. So then I was kind of worried about game three because I was pulling for LSU. Spoiler. (laughs) I was a little worried about game three. But if they were going to win it, I thought it was going to be like game one. Like, I really, I just thought these two were probably so well matched. Florida caught fire last night and LSU went to sleep. So game three is probably going to look more like game one. It looked like game two, but the opposite. Florida forgot how to do everything and LSU caught fire. Like, it was so strange to see such extreme results ping pong like that. But that's why I think game one was more indicative of the matchup. It went into extras. It was a one-run game. That was really the championship win. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was going to be like game one. I was shocked, Yeah, um, you know, that it ended up being the way that it was last night. Uh, really, really was. I was just like, but it's it's contagious. You yeah. Know? It's almost like everybody was getting up trying to figure out who could I hit the next person. You know, like <laughs> it, it just felt like one of those type of games. And Florida knew it. They knew once yeah. LSU was rolling, they was hitting the ball along with their pitching. That's a bad combination to try to defeat someone. So, yeah. you know, but SEC again wins the national championship. Another and, one. Uh, you know, the conference is well represented in all our sports. Yeah. And, you know, it's becoming the pinnacle, which it already is, but it's really becoming the pinnacle of college sports. And uh, and I love all conferences, but when you come to this level, it's kind of like the, the, it's the NBA. I mean, it's the NFL, NBA, and then there's SEC. Yeah. You know, no, it's. Uh, well, Major League Baseball, then SEC. I call it the four, the four pillars of, yeah. uh, of major sports. So, 
you know, we'll see. I know I get a lot of pushback on that from Big Ten fans and ACC fans, but come on, man. Like, you, how you, how can you literally? Not? Like, they had baseball for a little bit. They was doing pretty good in baseball. And I mean, Wake Forest, like, honestly, the stage was set for Wake to win this year. Like, mm-hmm. it, it really was theirs. But that first seed curse is a real thing. Like, it just, yeah. and look, LSU's run was way harder than Florida's. Florida got an extra off day to rest all of their arms and and get the sleep that is limited in Omaha. LSU ends up in the loser's bracket. They have to defeat Wake Forest two consecutive games back to back. They've played more. They've had less off time. Like their backs were against the wall the whole second half of the series and they still did it. Like it was their year. It, Jay Johnson, the head coach, said when he accepted the job, he circled 2023 a lot mm-hmm. because of Dylan Cruz. And Dylan yeah. Cruz, Golden Spikes winner, he's likely to be the number one overall draft pick next week or this week. Um, he's an unbelievable talent. Like, he's he's insane. And then you add the best pitcher in the country, mm-hmm. one of the most insane arms I have ever seen, any of the analysts have ever seen. Like, this right. guy is a phenom and you've got both of them on the same team at the same time, like behind a culture like LSU baseball that just pours everything into it. And then the transfers, Tommy white was a transfer from NC state, like all the stars aligned and the top player in that conference top player. I mean, Tommy tanks, wasn't his name just at LSU. So they had every piece to the puzzle but they had a hard way to get to it and they still got it done. I just, I think the world of that team, that coaching staff and that program, like they are what college baseball should aspire to be. But that concludes the baseball season. Now begins the time of year where I don't know what to watch on television because there are no (laughs) compelling games on. No offense, MLB, but I ain't watching you. So we patiently await football season to return. And like I said at the top of the show, this coaching staff has been heavy on the recruiting trail. I think that we saw the emphasis in the transfer portal as soon as they were all hired. Now it's on the future, right? And and they, they've taken care of the now. They've done all they can do in the portal. So their recruiting efforts have been substantial. They are always on the road. I'm constantly hearing new names come out. Um, July is technically a dead period for recruiting. Obviously, guys can be announcing their decisions and making said decisions. So we still may get some news in the next few weeks. But as far as the actual recruiting, that is considered dead until the very end of July. I continue to put air quotes. Um, Talk to me a little bit about some of the recruiting efforts that have been made, names that you've heard, position focus, just kind of how you think this coaching staff is faring so far. I tell you, they're trying to, they're trying to add depth at every position. You know, coach freeze is really trying to replace this entire roster. Um, You know, cause most of the guys that we've got in the transfer portal are leaving after uh after this year you know we may have one or two that comes back for another season but most of them only have a year left and so why you have the opportunity to to try to build a successful season this year and get some momentum going you need to be feeding off of that with this younger group of guys that's coming our 2023 class was really good yeah now how do we build and make the 2024 class you know, top five, top 10, you know, somewhere in that, in that area, because right now we're trending in that direction to be a top seven class. Mm. Um, That's how you win games. That's how you win championships. You know, you got to have players, you got to have depth. And I think the biggest position that we're really going after is 
the offensive line and yeah. defensive line, you know, coach understands that you win games in the trenches and, you know, the, the guys that we're going out there in those positions can come in and be day one, like contributors, they mm -hmm. don't have the red shirt. Uh, so, you know, those are the type of players that we're, that we're going after. And so I, I just think from his standpoint, you got the quarterback that's already committed. Uh, you got, you know, a running back that's already committed. Um, but from those positions and secondary, like, like we've been getting guys coming in this thing left and right, you know, yeah. it's just, uh, so depth is not going to be an issue for us, Taylor, in another year, you know, it's going to be how quickly can our talent catch up to the speed of what they're being coached, you know, right. how quickly can they get experience because it's a small window for error now because yeah. we are going to a bigger conference. So, you know, kids have got to catch on and catch up quickly. So I do think transfer portal is a bridge gap to getting your younger guys developed. Hmm. What do you attribute the influx of secondary guys to? Because I think that that's been the case for a few years now. Like those guys want to come to Auburn. Has there been a certain coach that you think has made that impact? Is it is it just seeing the successful players that have come out of this program? Why is that such a, a position focus that young talent wants to be a part of? I think it's a little bit of both. I think yeah. if you think about, you know, Coach Zach, you know, being a young coach. Uh, Zach Ethers, you know, True. he's young, he's energetic. He can relate to a lot of these kids. Um, I think Coach Crime coming back has a huge uh, benefit as well. Yeah. You know, he's been here before. He's a solid coach. He's going to give it to you real. And uh, and that's what you want. You know, someone yeah. is going to push you and just be straight up. And I think, uh, you know, just having a good combination of those two coaches along with understanding like Auburn has a really good history of putting out good secondary guys. You know, we got two starting for the same NFL team down in Tampa. Uh, you know, and then you talk about McCrary that just a left great a year. couple of years ago. And yeah, he he's he was a high pick and had a really yeah. good year at Tennessee. So we put out guys at that position all the way back to Carlos Rogers, who won the Jim Thorpe back when I played. Uh, so guys have come through here and have done really well. But uh, I think it's also just the environment of understanding, hey, I get to go against the best receivers you know, pretty much week in and week out so you true. Know, out there. So if I have a chance to be a high draft pick, then I need to play in one of those best conferences. And that mm -hmm. SEC gives me the opportunity to go against elite talent. Interesting. I also, you know, it's hard not to wonder if the evaluation of school for different position groups the wins and losses affects different position groups in, in mm -hmm. terms of what you could potentially do at the next level. Like for a quarterback a receiver, your wins and losses kind of predicate how much spotlight you're getting because right. if your team is succeeding, it's probably because you're scoring, right? But right. for these defensive guys, like I'm not saying the wins and losses don't matter, but you can still shine on a team that's not winning, you know? Right. But I think for mm -hmm. the offensive guys, you do kind of have to look at the the pedigree of the university in time in terms of their season success to kind of really be able to know how much playing time and how much exposure you're going to get. So that right. kind of just occurred to me that they can probably evaluate it a little bit differently than maybe some of the, the skill positions on the offensive side, but 
I also know that you real quickly, I know we have to go soon, but uh, you were able to interview Peyton Thorne recently for your NIL initiatives. We are going to try and get him on this podcast as well. Summer is, yes, is uh, <laughs> moving along, but we we're going to get some guys on here, but I was curious your thoughts mm-hmm. getting to talk to him one-on-one and just kind of his perspective on, on this new opportunity. Yeah, one thing about Peyton is immediately what jumps off the the radar is his leadership capabilities. Yeah. Uh, you, you hear about it from his teammates. They talk about, you know, how he likes to take guys and go eat with them away from the game, uh, how he likes to, you know, just not only, you know, just, hey, you got to do this, do this. He actually takes guys and walk them through what he's what he's looking at from a quarterback perspective, yeah. you know, and what he what he expects them to do you know, from a receiver or tight end standpoint, even the offensive line has talked about his communication of understanding where we talk about this on air a lot, the depth and set points of where the quarterback is going to be in the pocket. Yeah. To understand to have that communication with each other to know like, Hey, you know, where are you going to be at? So I can know how to set this defense in the end. Yeah. You know, those are the small communication things that equal success on a football field. And a lot of people just think it's all about just talent or it's all about this. No, you you can win with talent, but to win a championship, you got to win with communication yeah. plus talent. And uh, so I think, you know, just hearing the way that he talks and carries himself off the field, I think is is kind of what sets him apart sometimes when it comes to to the leadership position. Now he knows that he's in a competition. He knows that him and Robbie is going to fight for it in training camp and everything. I do think that, uh, you know, this is going to be really good for Auburn because I think it's going to make both guys compete and push yeah. each other at a high level. Competition brings out the best. Uh, but the thing that I think where it, where it helps him is he has more experience. You yeah. know, he, he started for two full years. Just, uh, what, two years ago, they was in the Peach Bowl. They went 11-2, and two, and mm-hmm. uh, he had a stellar year. So he knows what it takes to win and yeah. what winning looks like. And I think to be, from what I hear, he's a coach. He's an extension of a coach when the coaches can't be there. Nice. And that's what the guys are doing now in the offseason. Coaches on vacation. You know, yeah. we try to get them on the show, so you know they're on vacation. <laughs> so, you know, so he's having to do a lot of those things and making sure the guys are are, are all doing what they're supposed to. Well, that's important. It goes back to that communication that you were talking about. But I definitely agree with you, and I think that, you know, while Robbie – does have a year under his belt. He's essentially got a clean slate too, because freeze wants to do something completely different anyway. So both of them are, are kind of at square one and, and have a lot to prove, but that relationship building for Peyton is definitely where Robbie has, you know, a year of being in the locker rooms with these guys. So I'll be curious to see how that all fares. Obviously uh, coach freeze and, and co will be, all over the place and then dead period. So it'll be kind of quiet, but SEC media days will be July 17th through 20th. So we'll get him and a couple guys on the podium. I'll be curious if there's any sort of, you know, insight (laughs) into just what he's seeing and, and kind of what he's looking for. I I would be curious to hear him describe exactly what he's looking for before fall camp starts. So We'll definitely keep you updated on all of that. I know that they are trying pretty heavily to flip a five-star wide receiver who is uh, leaning toward the tide at this point, Perry Thompson. They're trying to flip him from Alabama. So we'll see. I think he's got a a visit scheduled. So we'll see if Auburn can charm him a little bit. But nonetheless, 
I think that's going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. Jay's got plenty to do before he heads to Charleston for a little vacay. So glad we could get him before he heads out. But hope everyone has a fantastic 4th of July. Uh, We are probably going to do one episode next week and the weeks moving forward until we get closer to season and we'll crank out the two again. Hopefully, TBD, you never know. Um, but nonetheless, make sure you're subscribed so you can get a notification every time we release an episode and come on back next week and we'll recap whatever the heck happens between now and then. Have a great <laughs> week, everybody. War Eagle. War Eagle, everybody. See ya. When we come back, we may have a guest next week. Never know. Stay tuned. Your guest is as good as ours. Peace out. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.